welcome to the Culture Hot Pot. This is your host, Christina Ho. And today we'll be talking to Jacob Yi. Jacob is a corporate veteran with more than 25 years of experience for Fortune 100 companies of the likes of Disney, Microsoft, and Canon. Jacob more recently worked at startups building teams supporting national and international projects with high levels of success. His resume has taken him across the globe with teams in North America, EMEA, LATAM, and APAC. He recently left New York, which in itself was a great experience, and moved out west in pursuit of his next journey, personally and spiritually. Welcome, Jacob. So nice to have you here. Thank you for having me, Christina. So, so happy to be here. I am very interested in talking to you about your spirituality. Okay. Jacob, your story is a very interesting one. You're this corporate powerhouse, and now you're transitioning into something new. But within that something new, spirituality is very, let's say, core to what you're doing and what you will be doing next. So what's your transformation story? So how did this journey come about? You know, that's an excellent question, Christina. So overall, I think as um, on a personal level and a professional level, I always thought of myself a very deeply spiritual person in everything that I do, be it with socially with friends, um, be it with a, a corporate work, even applying somebody, shall we say, lesser known spiritual things that we could do to hopefully, you know, get, get things going as far as that's concerned. So in essence, after being in 25 years of corporate America, right, we, we learned a lot of things about what that really is, especially this last thing that I had in New York City, where it is exactly that, right? The financial capital of the world, as they say. And in after 12, 13 years of being there, one learned a lot about what that really means as far as one's really purpose, right? If, if any city in, in the world that you can actually reside, can actually humble you as actually say, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, right? It's probably um, a very true statement from a perspective where there's a lot of things that happen in New York as far as an agenda is concerned. And I always thought to myself, do I really fit into an agenda or is this really part of my journey? And that's a big question I really have to ask myself. And um, hopefully that gives you a flavor into like really making me think about is this what I really want to do, right? It's just giving me a sense of purpose into what I'm looking for. And that, that that's what really triggered this next uh, step here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's go back a little bit in time. What's growing up like for you? We knew each other as kids way back in the day because our grandparents, or well, our grandmothers were besties. Um, and that's where I first met you and know you. But then you left to live in the U.S. When, when you were still a kid. And then we lost track of each other for like 20 years or more. Who knows? So how was life different as you moved from a country like Panama to the U.S.? Yeah, well, it all started in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not go, go that far back. 
I think growing up in Panama, as you can probably maybe attest from your own personal experience, was definitely in itself a melting pot because of the canal. And that's where our ancestor actually decided to to emigrate to, to emigrate to, to, to find that you know new life that they were looking for. And that in itself, growing in a Catholic, very Catholic country um, that's very Latin, but also having exposure to Europeans coming to Panama, um, which also gave me a, you know, a short stint also in the UK, right? Because our, our neighbors across the street were from the UK. And having that exposure was really eye-opening to me as well, right? Here we are, two Chinese kids, right? You can probably attest to it, going to a Catholic school, being baptized Catholic. And through my childhood in itself, I got a lot of exposure to religion, right? Uh, my parents are really deep Taoist. Quan Quan Gong Quan Yu, which really helped us into like having a flavor for that. Being born in a Catholic country, my aunt was Christian, so she took us to a Christian church once in a while. And then you throw in Buddha, right? So really made me hone down even as a child to really think about what else is out there. And that's what really triggered me to start thinking from that perspective as well, too. That on that journey moving to into these other countries and whatnot, especially in the U.S., you, you, I had to adapt. I really had to, almost like like a chameleon, right? Adapt to the new environment. You know, really enforce myself into learning English and what that really meant, right? Um, immersing myself into a new schooling system was also very eye opening. So, from that many perspectives and that many exposure to to cultures, in itself was something that I actually crave for that really led me into exploring spirituality as, as an individual as well, too. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that struck me when we finally reconnected after so many years. I didn't expect that to find you to be so spiritual and also so Eastern, you know, in your your spiritual inclinations, because, mm-hmm. yeah, as you said, you know, we were raised here in a Catholic country and then you moved to the U.S., which is as Western as it could get. So when I met you, I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. How did this come about? So what's that, um, what shaped that side of you? You know, I, I gotta, I gotta definitely hand that over to you, to my upbringing, to my parents, you know, that that's for sure. I, I remember when I was a kid, I, I was probably not the healthiest kid in the world, right? <laughs> And they would try anything and everything to make sure I was getting the medicine and the, the medical care I really needed. To a point where my father literally threw his hands up one time back in 1985 and said, enough of this. We may want to actually try Eastern medicine because the Western medicine is not working, right? All the kid was injecting me with, you know, in this example, now, adrenaline to take care of my asthma and so on and so forth. I was literally, I uh, opened my, par- my parents' eye into trying Eastern things, shall we say. And I remember actually getting on a plane in 85, landing in Hong Kong, the old airport, the Kaichak airport. And after a long flight like that, I was not feeling well. But I'll digress on that. And, and I remember they tried all sorts of teas, right? There, there was a tea shop where they actually open up a piece of paper and threw all sorts of roots and things like that and said, this many cups of water, boil down to this one cup of water and make sure he drinks it. The point where that really opened 
opened me up to really exploring a more natural side of things, but also from that perspective, also the culture side of things, right? Because part of the um, the things that we actually did was really immerse myself into the religion that yeah. really opened me to how they practice Taoism in China. And that to me was very fascinating from that perspective. So a lot of it came from that and also from Buddhism as well, too. What I'm reading from what you're saying is that your diverse cultural experience is has very much influenced how you live and practice spirituality. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a such an enrichment part of, especially exploring Buddhism, that is that is so open and accepting of of a lot of shall we say other cultures and other. Um, religions from that perspective right it's more peace focused it's more uh, interconnecting focused that i thought to myself being of you know from my own upbringing catholic christianity taoism and now buddhism but there has to be some interconnectivity into all that and that gave me that that you know shall we say open-mindedness as far as practicing more buddhism in anything at all how do you integrate yeah internalize all these different and conflicting ideas of what spirituality and religion and all that is, because sometimes they're actually the complete opposites, what one thing says versus the other. <laughs> How to you reconcile know, all that? that? That's an excellent question. In fact, uh, that also led me into like minoring in history of ideas back in college, but separate conversation there. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what? I started looking into what were some of the, shall we say, correlation into these religions that they were really trying to teach, right? And there were some, shall we say, topics that were very, very similar. Say, for example, just simply the topic of love, right? Right. That in itself is a topic that was very obvious in all these cultures to really come to realize that love or compassion are two of the things that, in general sense, humans should be practicing in the first place. Buddhism just seemed to highlight a little bit more from that perspective. But overall, if you think about it, I, you can call God whomever you would like to call God, right? Because when it comes to religion, it's really more of an organized belief. But when it comes to spirituality, you get to choose. This is your own personal belief into why are we interconnected? What makes us have a common purpose? Purpose is really, really key here because that's what they really practice in all of these religions, including peace, for example, right? So in essence, that's why I became so spiritual, not so much, shall we say, religious. And that gives me the freedom to really see that side of what I used to practice as far as religion is concerned. Absolutely. And how, how does that influence your worldview? Oh, yeah, well... That has made me really open my eyes up into accepting different cultures, accepting what other people practice as far as religion is concerned, really understanding that it's okay to understand that people have different thought processes, and that's okay. Things I've actually practiced myself in, in the corporate world, um, you know, having a team in India, a team in the UK, a team in Mexico, right? Really opened me up into seeing the different aspects of their culture and how they operate as far as business is concerned, but also accepting their ideas because at the end of the day, 
it's about having that open-mindedness into really thinking, well, you know, especially coming from the US, right? We, we always have the whole best practice. We know how to do it better than anybody else. That when you, when you end of day, think about it, right? What works in the US with a tight deadline and a tight project plan may not really simply apply for all the countries. And that's also okay. So understanding their point of view and how they execute projects was really key into making my role really successful in the whole process of being in, in corporate America. Yeah, the, the understanding that not everybody views the thing at the same in the same way or prioritizes things in the same way. It's the same thing for me. You know, I realized throughout you know my career is that one has to suspend judgment according to your own paradigms and then trying to really understand what the other where the other person is coming from. Because most of the time everybody wants the same thing. They just approach it differently. Yeah. So um right before we connected, uh you mentioned a trip you you did to the Tibet and that you felt it was life changing. Tell me more about yeah. it. <laughs> Well, that, 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 now we're really digging into the spirituality of things, right? Because it, it was almost like my mecca to go to. I remember when I started this whole, you know, meditation and spirituality journey, one night I was awakened by a dream, right? Where the following day I was sitting there still thinking about it going, there must be more meaning to that, whatever that is. So at the time, one of my really good friends who I used to work with at Microsoft, her sister, her twin sister, was very, very intuitive and, you know, somewhat of a psychic. So one person I can actually ask, maybe she can, you know, shed some light into it. And I remember her calling me back that night. And after talking to her, she said to me, well, Jacob, I don't know why, but you need to go to Tibet. So... I'm still like sitting there absorbing what happened the night before when she dropped this on me. And I said to myself, you know what? If three people tell me I'll need to go to Tibet, I'll go to Tibet. I'll make this happen. So fast forward to a meditation teacher that I took classes with in New York, that on her second class, she literally told me the same thing. I don't know why, but Tibet's calling you. Wow. This is when I went, okay. I don't believe in coincidences, being a spiritual person. And then in 2015, last minute, I was reassigned to a major project in Miami. And of course, I took the project because my parents at the time lived in Fort Lauderdale. So I afforded me to see them every week. And I reconnected with another colleague of mine that also used to work at Microsoft. And we went out to dinner. And this is when I actually met my friend Iris. That... She literally, she's from Guadalajara, grew up in Guadalajara, and for a couple of years, she just, Jacob, let's just go to Guadalajara, right? Literally, a couple of years. And then in 2017, we make the trip finally, right? I'm like, don't know why, but something's telling me to go to Guadalajara, let's just do it. And she she took me to um, a master she learned Reiki with, which is uh, an energy healing practice. So it's a Japanese uh, art of working energy to really, you know, balance, shall we say, the chakras and such that she took me there. And I remember the first visit, she goes, you know, bring him back in a couple of days. So she said, okay. So we go back a couple of days. She does another session with me. 
And when we wrapped up that session, she said to me, look, I don't know what it is about Tibet, but guess what? So it cannot be coincidence. You must be kidding me. (laughs) No joking at all. That exactly a year after that visit, I was on a plane, plane from Chengdu to Tibet. Okay. So you conditioned it. Like if three different persons tell me that I have to go to Tibet, I'll go to Tibet. It happened. So you went to Tibet. What did you find there? You know, I I cannot describe how what what a what a pure experience it was. When you when you see folks who literally walk from all sections of the region to Lhasa, which is where the Patala Palace is, and there's a big plaza there, and you see them literally, they walk there. They don't take the train, they don't take the bus. They walk there for miles to rendezvous with this one plaza, right? And they're all holding these little prayer wheels. And, and these, these are very, very, I hate to use the word common for lack of a better word, very um, peaceful is, is the word I can definitely describe them into the way they live, the simpler way of living without just simply complexing things in their world, just simply walking to see that makeup in Lhasa was enough to give them peace and fulfill their lives. That's very eye-opening to me. How humble they were, how appreciative and, and how much gratitude they had in their lives for just simply having that experience, to me, was very eye-opening. It wasn't about you know having fancy things in life and whatnot. It's about just simply being grateful for that one moment of making it to Lhasa. That to me was worth more than gold. Okay, I'm still digesting that. Like that lifestyle over there, it's so different and far removed from my personal experience that it's Uh hard for me to imagine. Like I can imagine it, but I don't really feel it. You know, like... um, something that I'm looking for, maybe, maybe not, right? But it's kind of interesting how I feel like, for example, how we are so trapped, and I include myself in it, sometimes in the material. Mm -hmm. There's this part of me that's searching for spirituality, and I, I consider myself a very spiritual person. And at the same time, the more spiritual I get, the more I realize that it's hard to let go of the material. (laughs) So what are your thoughts of the materialism versus spirituality? Because you, I mean, I love New York, but it's a very material city. (laughs) So you've been, you know, moving (laughs) on from the extreme to the other extreme, right? So tell me about that. You know what, if any city can teach you materialism, I think a close second is Hong Kong, but definitely New York takes the cake on that one, right? Yeah, and, and I'm not going <laughs> And 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 I I was living very comfortably in in Manhattan at a nice flat with great furnishings, you know, whatever you want to call that, right? When when you when you see a place like Cheap Bed and you come back to a place like New York City, 
it really makes you think, do I really need all these stuff, all this stuff, it's called stuff, right? Has it brought me joy? Sure. But the more I thought about it, a lot of the things, or the material things, right, really brought me temporary satisfaction, right? Temporary happiness. Oh, yes, I have a pair of shoes from Gucci. They are fantastic. Okay, let's move on, right? So was that really what I was looking for? Not really. So I, th I think one of the things that shifted my paradigm to also think about all these things was from that trip, also think about, am I really accumulating more things in my apartment? Or am I going to just simply live my life by these experiences, especially to go see the ones I loved? And this is when my father going back into hospice was really playing a key role. And, and even through the pandemic. So in essence, it really made me digest that a little bit from a perspective where I needed to see the value of how I was living my life and accumulating things at home was not, not making, giving me that satisfaction that I needed. So it led up into, of course, this, this next step of this journey, right? But overall, it started there. It started with my father going back into, especially through COVID, into hospice that made me go, am I really spending the time with the right people or am I just simply buying more things? That's a big question that a lot of people struggle with, right? Yeah. That's the thing, right? As now, I, I think also as we grow older, priorities really come into focus. What's really important and what's nice to have yep i think you've taken it to another level like oh. for the past couple of years you've got a very nomadic lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, yeah yeah yeah. And, and i find it really amazing because you're able to move one week here another week there again prioritizing relationships because you go to see family and friends which is beautiful and you don't seem to have the need to have like, I need this root and this base, and this is my place, you know? It seems from the outside to be so free. So what's your secret? <laughs> well, it goes back to what you talked about, right? It's, it's into doing that and not having a place like, in this last example, New York City, anchor me down, not having a job where I was working 80 hours a week, making people richer, hold me down into not having this experience. Having that freedom is really fulfilling me into, now these days, seeing my mom, spending Chinese New Year, which is this coming week, so Kone Fa Choi. And also seeing my friends, seeing those that really mean something to me. Yeah, of course, you know, COVID and travel, you know, restrictions permitting and whatnot. But doing that, it's really important to me. I was just also very, very happy that after I, I, and I did get COVID, you know, right after I remember, I remember the day, Friday the 13th, 2020 was the last day I was spent in the office before the quarantine happened on the, I believe the 16th, right? And I, I remember, and especially being in New York, in the ground zero of the Eastern coast of the US, where, People were literally calling me and going, and I tried to avoid watching the news because I find the news to be 
literally bad news, right? Usually very, very um, sensationalized, shall we say, <laughs> that people would keep calling me saying, the numbers are going up significantly in New York. Are you doing okay? And I was literally with my cat at the time in my flat in New York, thinking to myself, well, I really need to focus on what is going to happen here. And one of the things that really helped me through was really spirituality and meditation. So in essence, I finally caught COVID and I remember that happening and I was given, this is before vaccines even came out, right? It was, uh, I remember Memorial Day, 2020, I, I was given the antibodies. And they, they told me to come back, they needed to check the antibodies, making sure everything was, was okay. And they kept checking and saying, well, that's odd. Um, everybody's antibodies are actually going down in numbers, but you are, are multiplying much more to fight this disease. So I literally told them to take some blood to study it because I'm no, I'm no scientist here. How about that, right? That, of course, coupling with my father going back into hospice, this is my chance. If my body is fighting this disease that people still didn't know about, right, after two months of quarantine, I just made it a priority to be in Las Vegas, to fly from New York to Las Vegas every two weeks to see him because he was in hospice. That, to me, gave me joy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important to be available for the people that, uh, that are important to us, right? And not mm -hmm. regret it afterwards because we're doing anything else that doesn't really matter. Yep. Yeah. And, and thankfully, I had, a, I had a really good friend that works in the ER at Mount Sinai. And she gave me, they have to be tested because she works in the hospital, a big box of these self-test kits. Let me tell you this. Every single time I was flying somewhere, I was thick. And they were so uncomfortable, as you I may have experienced, to have that stuck on my nose. But to me, it was worth the experience. I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a lot of us do. I agree uh, with you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mentioned health just a minute ago. And mm -hmm. about health, we often associate that with being fit physically. You know, how good we look, quote unquote. Yep. And this pandemic, it really shined a light on mental health. Um, that many people realize how important it is. But we often forget to take care of our spiritual health, that I feel like it's even that next layer underlying both mental and physical. And we don't even realize that we're psychically connected to this world and to each other. And you're very intuitive and you're very connected. So what tips can you give our listeners and how to have a healthy mind-body connection. Yeah, you know, I, I, a, lot, a lot of the things that we forget about, right? We, we get so busy living our lives. I, I remember the days running around in what we call the rat race up and down the streets of Manhattan. And, and you focus on the next thing. People, people in Manhattan, I remember living that lifestyle where you're literally living an agenda. You wake up at seven, you do this. You go get your coffee, then you hop on the subway, and you get to work. What does that really mean, right? 
that we get so busy living our lives that the one person we forget about is really ourselves. And, and I think from this whole experience, especially stepping away from it, I, I could literally, I remember they actually moved away from, from New York and then we'll get back to the story. Like driving into the Lincoln Tunnel, that itself felt like it was peace in itself. But what, what does that really mean, right? Peace. It's about literally taking some time for yourself. Being a walk in the park, for example, really is very healing. Uh, or, or what I used to do was really walk right into, you know, the West Side Highway because I can, I can smell the ocean. It was away from the city, away from people. I was not doing my routine. I was spending time with myself. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with in, in the daily lives is even if it is for 15 minutes of quiet time. Because we spend our time just thinking, 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 and making lists of things we need to do, right? Putting post-its everywhere. And I used to put post-its behind myself there in here to know and not forget what we needed to do. But we also need to remind ourselves that we need to do us because we are important. And this is where, you know, what I was mentioning earlier, where meditation comes in, right? Because it allows us to have that quiet time, allows us to take a little breather because we deserve that breather. Like you were mentioning fitness, even as a sports athlete, say people training for the Olympics, that may be probably the most drastic case, even they themselves need to have a break. So what does that really mean? Their muscles need to rest. In essence, the same way our mind needs to also take a break. It needs to take that 15 minutes of just simply absolutely no processing of information. And I think meditation is a great way to actually you know, get into that habit or something that I, I believe you and I talked about in the past also that actually, I actually, in fact, discovered this at the, um, the, the Rubin Museum in, in New York City. It's a, a Buddhist museum where they would have a different person doing sound bath treatments in their theater. That alone, having that hour of doing nothing but laying there listening to chiming of bells, for example, was very satisfying to the mind, spiritually, and also to the mind as well. So in essence, they all go hand in hand. And going back to, to what you mentioned, right? There has to be a balance between physical, mental, and spiritual as well, too. Because they all work in tandem to keep yourself healthy. I have to thank you for introducing me to the to sound baths. I didn't know that was a thing. I meditate, but I'm not a great meditator. I have a terrible monkey mind. Some days I'm better at taming it than other days. Mm -hmm. um, but that time that you 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 said, "Hey, Christina, check this out. Check this guy out, and he does great sound baths." And I listened to it, and oh my god, it was life changing, literally because it really helped me get into the meditative state. And it's easier for me. You never completely clear your mind completely, but the chatter just went down from 100 to 10. And I found that super, super helpful and amazing. So yeah, listeners, check out sound baths. If you have a monkey mind like me, <laughs> it might help. Yeah, there's some good ones on YouTube. Definitely try it out. It's, it's fantastic just to quiet the mind. Yes. Thank you. You're very welcome, Christina. I think we all deserve that little moment of peace. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I was curious. Within this journey that we call life, 
who has been the most influential person in your life? And how has that person impacted you? I'm going to say my parents. I'm, I'm going to be a little, a little greedy and take two, right? But definitely, definitely my father had a really key role into shaping me who I am as a person. Where I knew that a lot of what made me be, be it in the corporate world and now being currently in my, my continuous journey here, that I, I know for a fact that they're always going to be supportive of me. So that's why I want to also say, say my parents as well, too. Because they, they both have given me different perspectives into thinking things differently. And that was okay, right? Of course, I was daddy's favorite and so on and so forth. But at the same time, getting my mom's perspective into the same issue gave me a different way of thinking about the same dilemma. And I think that was, that was very healthy there. Definitely missing dearly, but you know, I, I think he he set me to to really appreciate a lot of the even simpler things in life, and I think this is why I'm actually here today. So, yeah, definitely my dad, and my mom. So, next question, related question is, if you could go back to your twenty year old self, Ooh, let's go back there for a second, just for a sec, <laughs> and you can give yourself one piece of advice. What would it be? Silly old me, right out of college, right eye bushy tail, thinking I, I own the world, I remember, right? But the, the one thing that I think I would tell myself was, would be to really be more present in the moment. I, I think that at, at 20 years, 21 years of age, we are so focused into part of it, the past, because it shaped our identity into being who we were. And then, having a job right my first job out of college what does that really mean as as they say you know remember back in corporate america when you do a, a review and they want you to know to self-assess into what do you want to do in three years what do you want to do in five years that really yes they do review you for how you how you did and what you're going to do but they really forget about that one moment of giving that feedback and i think a lot of people miss that being present it really means exactly that because we're so focused into, you know, not letting go of what may have shaped in the past and, and still being, shall we say, uh, hopefully not regretful, right? Or hopefully being more thankful, but we, we forget about this one moment and then we're so focused into what may be tomorrow that we're just simply not living this current moment. And you know what? That's the that's one tricky thing about also being a human being, right? Having time as a factor is good to make appointments for, but it's not a good way to live because we're so focused into, well, maybe tomorrow I'll win the lottery, but will we? And then when we don't, that expectation's broken and we get disappointed, right? That what's really more important than the lottery than just simply having this moment that we're actually alive, which is why people say the first moment you actually wake up, be thankful that you woke up because a lot of people don't get that luxury. That's right. I think when we're 20s, at least my experience when I was 20, I was highly unaware <laughs> of anything that's going on. <laughs> it's that, terrible. All, all I wanted was more, more money in my salary, right? And in your car. And having Things fun. Like <laughs> and having fun. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you for that piece of advice, being more present. It's never, ever too late. 
that's the other great thing about spirituality is never ever tonight. I love that. That's the thing. Cause usually we we're afraid as, as we grow older, we're kind of afraid. Oh, it's too late. That's not true. Time and age is a simple number. How we experience our journey is it will vary from person to person. Exactly. And so where can our listeners find you? Well, uh, I'm temporarily updating my, my information, but you can definitely uh, check me out on, uh, on LinkedIn under Jacob Yee. A lot of the corporate stuff still there, but stay tuned because I'm definitely uh, going to be uh, putting some new content as far as this new journey and see where it takes us. So you can definitely find me there as a next step. Send me a message. It's uh, also have platform to send me messages. And if you need any guides on meditation, spirituality, question, how do I stay in the now, that sort of thing, I'll be more than happy to answer those as, as you send them. Well, thank you, Jacob, for, join us, for joining us for this conversation. Very enlightening. I thank already have me. some questions for a future session that, yeah, I'm saving for next time because otherwise it's going to be too long. Okay, no, no problem. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and wish everybody listening a, a lovely evening. Namaste to everybody and looking forward to see what this takes us. All righty. Namaste. Namaste. Cheers. <laughs>